The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Yeah, I think the the Vegas shows, at least the ones that I've been to, they just have a weird sort of like fun energy to them. I don't know if it's because they were been drinking all day or something or Sure, sure. Which four did you go to? When I saw them in 2000, I saw them on um the 10th anniversary show and then a a, f- a friend of mine we went to Vegas. They started in Vegas and then to, I think, um, San Diego, then San Bernardino, and then uh, San Francisco. God, great loop. Nice. The uh, One of our friends that just went to the Vegas show with us, I, I remember seeing this. I was kind of like flipping through the notebook today, and he uh, he said to me, are you ready to sin? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) What was the answer? Fuck yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Season 6, Episode 7 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I'm your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, a different guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, single, and B-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon, and today we are talking about the binaural song Insignificance, and we are doing that with the guest today, Curtis Hames. Hello, Curtis. Hi, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. How about you? Excellent. All right. So uh, we're going to get into this song uh, that the music and lyrics are written by Ed. Uh, but first, uh, I've never, I've, we've, we've never talked before, right? I don't know you. You don't know me. Correct. Okay. So you're, you're a first yes. time. New, yes, fr- new that's, friends. That's, that's right. So, you know, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't think we've uh, got this rigged or anything like a magic show. <laughs> And, and so uh, you're, this is your first time on, and so I have to ask you, when did you first hear of Pearl Jam? Um, I think I am like millions and millions of people where my first Pearl Jam experience is the Jeremy video. That was, MTV was kind of a no-no in my house at that time. I think I'm 10 years old, 9. I was very intrigued by it, and... I don't know who I got to finally buy me the tape. If it was my mom or dad or stepdad or whoever, I finally wore down. And uh, between that video and that first tape, I, I was immediately obsessed. And from 10 to 12 on 10 and verses, it was really uh, just that first band for me. You know, just whenever they were on TV, reading about them, mm-hmm. just really that kind of first band for me it hasn't been every minute of every year of my life since then but certainly most of it um maybe had a little bit bit of a break the era of this record probably (laughs) (laughs) when it was brand new this is probably the only one that i didn't buy that first you know week or 10 days that it came out which it's weird because maybe it's my favorite right now today pearl jam is just uh uh, as you know, and I'm sure everyone who's hearing this knows, it's very rewarding. Uh, mm-hmm. Reward return trips, deep dives, a lot of time spent with the lyrics and performances and the poster art and 
learning what the guys are all about as people and politically. There's just a lot of meat on the bone. So lucky enough that that first band that I was obsessed with as a kid at 10 or 11 or whatever turned out to be one that uh, was so cool and so good to us as fans throughout the year. So got very lucky there, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of hard to believe, um, you know, like into this band and it's kind of like, oh, they have the uh, the fan club and all oh, you... Well, you used to get vinyl singles, but, you know, it's like, oh, we get this stuff and these cool newsletters that they put together. And some bands are like, yeah, I got a fan club thing and they just get um, nothing, a a catalog that says, oh, these are the shirts that we're selling, you know, give us more money by buying this stuff. You know, as the world's more digital, it's hard to get as excited about, you know, a newsletter or the way that you kind of wait for it way back when. Yeah, yeah. It's still, even now, as they're kind of slowing down, even in the last five years or so, with the touring and uh, less constant stuff coming out all the time, it's still, there's a lot still to follow, right, with them politically, and this new record is it's certainly going to be very special to see these songs live, and how they're still very relevant to how I feel about the world. They've grown as we've grown, I guess, right? Yeah, everybody has. Oh, except for some people that uh the that are fighting for relevance or fighting against irrelevance or whatever oh bringing it back to the song look at yeah you got to see it live (laughs) (laughs) my my magic at work (laughs) oh look at there we go it's strong let's get into the song then uh they first played this live at the uh bellingham show in 2000 that's uh the same as the vault uh vault release number four played a bunch of other binaural songs off of that so i'll mention that a lot in these episodes and uh let's see it was the b-side so the nothing as it seems single and um in the album art on there it's got little line drawings of uh bombs and pineapples (laughs) i love it what are the pine what are the pineapples about uh i don't know maybe it's because they're both kind of cylindrical and they can fall and hit you on the head i don't know yeah um you know that uh nature versus um something man-made or the juxtaposition of the two things i guess maybe yeah possibly and uh, i think just kind of like you know the same kind of drawing principles used in drawing that you know any sort of cylindrical object and stuff like that and then you just change the bottom flat instead of pointed like the nose of the uh bomb or whatever i don't even know if bombs are shaped like that who knows making light of it i guess i think um you know this along with grievance are probably the two most political songs on binaural depends on how you define political right yeah those are the most like overt about citizenry versus your national politicians right or international events or whatever the individual and their role in the process yeah maybe so just like a sort of, um, I think, mostly tied to Bush era politics and stuff like that, because, you know, that was the whole thing, or at least I guess this is before yeah. the election. So could have been, a, you know, just kind of a warning of, hey, let's not uh, keep going down this road or whatever, because, uh, you know, Clinton had some uh, uh, wars and stuff going on there, too. But, um, yeah, probably just um, after that kind of. It's like, okay, let's just move on to some new songs now because Bush isn't in office anymore. Or just maybe the contents and just this isn't maybe what we're voting on as much. Or just the idea that it's one candidate is for a fighting war and the other one isn't. It's not really the case anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, blue or red, you're 
you're still voting for drone strikes to a certain extent, right? Yeah, our wars are kind of put together kind of in a little a little bit of a, a different way. When this was written, it's the fear of a shooting war coming to your home is probably substantially less on people's minds right now than maybe in whatever, 99 or 2000 when Ed wrote these lyrics. I don't know. Hard to say. I, th- I think um, along those lines, it's discounting 9-11. I think it was always sort of like people coming over here to fight a war or something like that. You know, us being invaded is a very sort of not likely uh, scenario. So I, I think that uh, at least in, in that kind of vein of thought, I think, you know, 9-11 is kind of like, oh, you know, oh, this guy, you know, they're going to invade, oh, blah, 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 blah. People are going to come here and everything like that. And yeah, like it's still not likely people coming here i think a lot of it is the people who are already here who are in this country who are part of this country are uh trying to cause violence and could be i don't know maybe happening after (laughs) before this episode gets released yeah between recording now and when you put this up on the feed who knows what's happened right yeah after the new year yeah, it feels like the next problem of any like major importance would be feels like what's next is like the troubles between England and Ireland, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. uh, car bombs and like there's no, no China or Mexico are going to come over here in planes and boats and just come and light us up. It's uh, the enemies within, right? Yeah. Or they'll come over through our computer or just, yeah, flying over with bombs uh, out of an airplane. It just almost seems like it's this gauche idea and this thing of the past, right? And it's not, it's not, uh, it's not planes anymore. It's, uh, it's drones. It's you can get even little, you know, the little drones you get at uh, at Best Buy and equip right. them with some stuff that'll just, you know, fly in there and you can dive bomb, drop it down or whatever. Right, and it won't be camouflage. It'll be hidden in plain sight with an Amazon logo on the side of it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie was saying that the lyrics to this were inspired by the WTO protests uh, that were taking place in Seattle, protesting the World Trade Organization. That okay. um, I don't know if we're still a part of that, part of that or whatever. I don't know what the hell Trump's done. I don't know that NAFTA or whatever has changed. Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, whatever. Definitely don't quote me on that. But WTO and dovetailed into NAFTA and. We recently pull out, or that was maybe in the first two years of his term, but very Trump thing could be making big noise about uh, pulling out or changing, and then he never did it, right? Yeah. It's probably probably something we should know, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Impossible (laughs) to keep track of all this shit, though, right? Oh, yeah, all the stuff that uh, people that he says is going to happen that doesn't, and stuff that nobody knows that just happens out of the blue, and stuff that does happen that he says didn't happen. And Excited for the people of the future listening to this to be waiting for the inauguration of President Biden. uh, Who knows? It's, oh, man. And And it's a real... Kind of weird time of of when we were recording this too, because um, I listened to the um October thirty first uh, San Francisco version of it, where he kind of gives a uh, a little speech before the song. Speaking of voting, this is uh, there's the uh, electoral vote and then the uh, the popular vote, and uh, uh, you know I think to be popular you got to vote. So uh, this is uh. This is exactly what your vote is not, and that's uh, insignificant. I love it. I love it. Just, just get as corny as possible, Ed. And 
kind of not know where the sentence is going before you start and you eventually got there and we're all very proud of you yeah com- comedy's not his strong suit his 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 stand-up game isn't uh isn't strong no and he's a very good storyteller but like hitting those right beats to hit that punchline, uh no not a very high batting average and uh, uh speaking of storytellers this is one of the songs that was left off of the storytellers broadcast it was uh they did it at the show but they didn't uh include it in the broadcast did we ever see any footage of what they said about this um i don't know there there might be a leak somewhere but i i, I don't know somewhere out there on the internet I, I i tried to look for it i've tried to look for just the regular just the bootleg of it just you know if somebody was there in the audience or something like that but that would probably be pretty frowned upon yeah possibly um so the song is probably the most severe example of the recording technique for this record where, where do you land on that you like the sound um this isn't um recorded by gnarly or at least not not mixed that way or whatever really yeah it's just um they hold on now because um this is one of the brandon o'brien mixed ones so it's it's just a regular you know stereo stone in the right mic in the left or whatever head in the middle but there are like chains that you can hear on the album and so I don't know if those chains are recorded by Gnarly or not. I can't really, you know, with all the other music going on and stuff like that, I can't really tell if yeah. they're kind of floating around there or not. But there is a little bit of a left and right separation. But I don't know if it's just a twiddling knob stereo or if it's or if those are like recorded with the mic and overlaid in them. getting educated here then so this is after they <laughs> after they gave up then. yeah yeah probably or changed gears or however we want to phrase that right because it's like three quarters of the album right uh yeah i believe so yeah kind of like the the harder ones the faster ones are are regular and then kind of like the slower ones are the uh, are the binaural ones pretty much well that that throws my theory out the window here because I think the disparity between the album version and the live version is really, really severe for me. How so? I love the way this sounds live. The big moment there mm-hmm. at the end of the bridge that we kind of build and build and build and get to. Um, I think it's just so much stronger in a live setting. And on the album, it kind of doesn't always get there for me. Probably 90% of the time, maybe more than that. I'd prefer a live version over the album version. And honestly, I had to dust this album off just to kind of get reacquainted with it. Even though the tracks on here are a ton of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the 
just in general, I've gone back and forth. Um, the project is like, uh, it's a really cool thing. I'm glad they tried it. I guess if you asked me today, gun to my head, I would say, I wish they would enough. You know, what, what, what do you think? It's kind of a cool gimmick. Yes, gimmick. Yes. It does add some cool sort of sounds and effects in it, like in um, probably sleight of hand and nothing as it seems are kind of like the best sort of ones, the best uh, executed versions of it, just because of you can kind of hear the guitars kind of move around and stuff. Yes. But I think that, yeah, it's it's kind of with the, you know, with the rock and stuff like that, I think that it wouldn't have worked as well you know if they put out a version like that i would uh definitely uh pay money for that yeah bring it on <laughs> not to say not to say uh i i wouldn't want to hear it but yeah remix or unmix or whatever right yeah yeah probably have to re-record it right uh they probably have because uh, i i believe that they had the binaural mic in the in the middle of them and everything but then they had everything else also mic'd up too so that they're recording everything at the same time so in those takes they you know just turned off the binaural mic or whatever you know they muted those channels or whatever and then just mixed everything else because you couldn't get his uh you couldn't get vocals like that at all on the little head so it's kind of hedging their bet a little bit there then <laughs> yeah probably or just it's totally necessary and even if you wanted to go all in you probably couldn't and still be able to make out the lyrics or whatever piece of it right yeah some things like probably like the drum was like ah you can't really get the hear the kick drum or of it or something like that so we'll just turn that one up a little bit or yeah. you know whatever the bass kind of sounds weird over here let's move it i think it tells us a lot that it never came back mm, yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i i think you know especially because you know and not every song was like that so it's kind of like uh this didn't work i think you're kind of like yeah we can't do this for everything so you know Next record, yeah, no, we're not going to try it because we're just going to have to end up going back. I think writing it with that in mind would probably be have to be necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you ever want, you know, this is the hardcore writer's block album, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we're, as these songs are uh, taking formation, that's maybe when they needed to pivot. Have they ever talked about that fully? Like just going uh, from Chad Blake to, to Brendan? They didn't do Riot Act with Brendan O'Brien. I think that was, was that Chad Blake again? Oh, I think that's, uh, what's his name? Casper, the same guy. Oh, Adam Casper, yeah. Yeah, I think it was Adam Casper again for uh, self-titled. So, yeah, I think they kind of (laughs) tested that out and was like, me, no. (laughs) Yeah, I think think you're on the nose calling it a gimmick there. Well, I guess I was wrong with saying that this song is harmed by it because it's it's just not right no yeah it's yeah i I think it's just um it kind of has a more of a structure i think for a live performance on it just because um of the kind of bridge and the kind of building and jammy nature that you can you can sort of get in there um where like stone kind of takes the chance the the opportunity to do a little soloing noodling you gotta love a stone solo no bad songs with stone on solo oh yeah uh, I, I know that if you uh, have your, your Pearl Jam 20 book and you go to the index and uh, looking for insignificance, it'll tell you to turn to page uh, 214 and uh, there's nothing about the song on that one. It's, uh, they, it's, a, it's a misprint. You got to go to page 224. Okay. 
something I discovered today. <laughs> oh, very good. How many more editing uh, errors have you been able to find? Well, yeah, yeah. The, I think I found at least two other ones. Everybody, go back and listen to all the other old episodes. Yeah, and and, and the for some reason in the uh, in the liner notes too, when you're looking at that, it says that uh, the jukebox is the, uh, pushing V3, but um, I believe it's C3. He's saying it even says that on the uh, online lyrics too. But listening to it, it's like, yeah, he's, he's saying C, not a V. typo because the letters are right next to each other here on the keyboard possibly are they playing games with us Mm, maybe i don't know maybe because i was thinking like is a c3 type of a plane or something like that and i was looking it up it's like oh like old biplanes or some shit nothing modern so right is it just telling us about cvs and get your resumes ready (laughs) playing mind games with it's a lot of jukeboxes i don't know if they go they go all the way to z maybe some of the bigger ones (laughs) i doubt it so this song is, I think, the peak of this live is these early versions. There's some absolute bangers in Europe. Probably the one that gets shown the most, to me at least, on YouTube or whatever, is that Pink Pop version with Sweaty Ass Ed just tearing his <laughs> guitar apart, sweat dripping down his face. Yeah, very, very, very good version there. My vote for best ever. And one of the, one of the other things they do live is they'll hit the... Uh... They'll pause as the uh, let the song protest line. Whereas on the uh, on the album, they just keep going into the uh, into the next verse. And um, yeah, the first time I heard him do that stop, it's kind of like, whoa, yeah. Turn the jukebox up, Love it. Like a club song waiting for the beat to drop or whatever like that. That's, yeah, let's <laughs> that's get what, it. That's what Pearl Jam fans have. Let's build it up. Let's build that anticipation. Let's wait for the bass to drop here, yeah. And, I, and ever since the uh, the first time when I saw them live do that, do, the, do this song and they did that, it's kind of like, oh, I got to time it out so that I can just yell right when it's quiet there so that you can hear me on the bootlegs. It'd be so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Come in one second early. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, oh, I got to time it because, you know, light travels faster than sound. So I got to get yeah. I got to get ready and the microphones are, are, are up there. So it's going to take a, a little tiny bit for my voice to do it. So I got to like start like right like half second before they stop. I'm going to have it in the chamber. I got to have it ready. Honey, do you hear that little woo on the bootleg? That's your dad. <laughs> you hear this woo? <laughs> yeah. I gotta listen. I got. I only have a, a couple versions on my computer. I listen to those. It's like, no, no, that wasn't me. So I was like, oh, maybe it's on one of the CDs that I haven't uh, put in there yet, or something. It's not from that tour. It's from the other one. Um, this one's important to me, or resonates with me, or whatever. It gives me kind of uh, not that there aren't tons of songs where we can all relate or talk about feelings that we all have or whatever relationships or different interpersonal dynamics. But Mm -hmm. this one's like a real tie-in that I feel like I have with the band here in Eastern Iowa. We've got, it's been called a lot of different things, but right now it's called Collins Aerospace. And so we're 
we're big in that military industrial complex, the same way that Seattle is, or certainly Seattle was at the time this was written for sure. And these two comp, uh, that Collins and Boeing, they're definitely working together quite a bit. And Collins makes a ton of parts for Boeing, or at least it did. So kind of have that, that same, can relate to that same vibe of, you know, maybe leave us alone here too. Like we're just, we're just regular people. Don't, uh, no need to bomb us or have a terrorist attack or whatever here. We're just our humble little hamlet. Leave us alone. We are definitely building the planes and the bombs and we're a key component in the military industrial complex too, but you know, kind of just leave us out of this. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's uh kind of a, I don't know if it's a cool connection, but it's always something that where I felt like any connection you can have with the band or commonality, it just feels like, feels like a cool thing, right? Maybe not a great reason for it in this case, but I think we, they and I are in agreement and maybe not on everything politically, but certainly on, you know, being very, very serious about being anti-war. And, you know, I think the song delves into like uh, protesting and the decisions of the politicians, not always being the will of the people and, you know, um, being a loud dissenter is kind of sometimes frustrating and certainly it's not always enough. Right. So, you know, I felt not like, uh, you know, they're going to come and bomb the corn so that, <laughs> you know, people can't, people can't eat, you know? Um, but I did feel like that is something, that is a thought that I had at the time. I'm like, this is kind of scary. Mm-hmm. We do build these planes and not the whole plane, but certainly like, you know, a radar or a GPS piece or a lot of that stuff comes through us. So yeah. You know, is that really the that existential threat today? I mean, definitely not. Or, you know, if somebody's going to war with us, it's Russia coming to war with us through Facebook or Twitter, right? So the, that just like bombing a factory here is kind of a, feels like a relic of the past. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It was the feelings conveyed in these lyrics are certainly feelings that I have felt throughout the years. And knowing that someone else had gone through that, and especially someone as cool and talented as Eddie Vedder, was kind of reassuring. Do you think the the titular insignificance in the song is talking about the like the the people of the hometown, like the the people who don't really have a say in the destruction that's being caught being wrought upon others in their name or do you think that it's sort of like a a broader humanity's insignificance in the grand scheme of everything where you know there's there's just so much in the miracle of nature or whatever like that in in just of existence as well and yet we spend our times you know fighting and killing each other instead of coming together and just appreciating existence or whatever so your the latter that you said is not anything that I ever considered. And that type of existential feeling isn't necessarily something I associate with this record or this song. That's that more, uh, you know, what's it all for feels more like no code and yield era to me. I think the my interpretation of this song is the chorus the narrator is lying and we are a part of this military industrial complex 
and in pleading with the enemy or whoever, we're just really not significant over here. These planes uh, that we build at Boeing or Collins or wherever, or Texas Instruments in Texas or whatever these towns are, the narrator's line, right? In like a pleading way to really like in an on the nose way, like, please, please leave us alone. We're not a threat the way that you think we are. And it's a lie, right? Like that, that's false. And we are part of it passively or directly by working there or, or even by actually supporting it, right? So the other part of it too is kind of like always felt like a dual meaning to me in that protest comes across as insignificant itself because, you know, or even as vocal dissenters, like it never comes through, you know, and maybe you can fight really hard for it, or maybe you just get so burned out that you just let the jukebox play and the song can sing my feelings for me, right? So that's kind of my, that's how I've always felt about it. But tell me more about uh, the existential element of we're all just ants running around type of vibe. I, I that, that had never crossed my mind. Well, I, I think you kind of um, also see it like in, you know, um, 10,000 fools that fight irrelevance. You know, it's it's just kind of, I don't know, old people in the government or the heads of companies that are, you know, all they have is money that they you know, gave up time with their families or whatever to, to chase or, you know, being a, uh, possibly using money for, um, um, philanthropic purposes as opposed to just hoarding it for a non-existent pissing match with other rich people or whatever. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, I get it. But so the, the 10,000 fools to you is the elites who are doing evil or having this, Maybe not necessarily evil in their mind or just, yeah, that uh, international pissing match. I always thought the 10,000 Fools was the protesters in Seattle. And maybe those of us who dissent and even though 10,000 of us might gather together, it's still a drop in the bucket compared to all these millions of people who are uh, either apathetic or just overtly against us or being pro-war or whatever pro-imperialism uh, however you want to put it so that's cool uh is, is this a song that you think that i don't know once they start playing again that they will might they might bust this out a little bit more or do you think this this is something that's kind of seen its time and there's other songs that they have now newer stuff that kind of gets a message across a little bit more than this um yeah i i don't think like gauche is the word um but i mean as far as what's going on today. Who knows what the world will be like by the time they're playing again, but there are a lot of songs that they're going to want to play from this new album. I think some of these like third tier used to be big songs and kind of the middle albums. Uh, I don't, I don't think we're going to see very much of that. I think uh, it's going to be a whole lot of first five albums and the new record. I feel like that's what's what we'll be in for, for this next couple of loops. So we 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 got it then. We can put it in the books and close the chapter. Do we want to talk about what what Pearl Jam means to me? Well, yeah, yeah. That's we're we're wrapping up. So that, that's our our grand finale. Yeah, that's uh, it's 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 my gimmick, <laughs> <laughs> at least for uh for 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 this year because we're in you know we're we're in we're in PJ thirty now. 
So uh, we can we can look back and uh, just like Ed was asked in single video theory, we can we can all ask ourselves, uh, what does Pearl Jam mean to you? Um, Pearl Jam means to me. I mean, maybe this is a little bit corny, but Pearl Jam is the soundtrack to my life. Those early albums that are so intense and convey a lot of rage and rawness. Um, you know, that's that's my teenage years. And then we kind of dovetail into alienation, and that's maybe my later teens. And then we have our politically active era, which is exactly when I was in college when those albums came out. And then we go into young adulthood and hashtag dad life. So <laughs> they're whatever, 15 years younger than them, but I feel like they're blazing a path for me in what they go through and what they're putting out always seems to be just the right thing for me. And that is why this new album is so special to me. Is it objectively their best? You know, I, I don't think very many people are going to argue that, but it's, and like the other 10 out of the 11 times, probably, it was just what I needed right in that moment. So they're, you know, as good as they are live, um, as much fun it is to go see them and go on tour and take a trip. They always seem to meet me where I am, you know? And I think there's probably most people who are fans of Pearl Jam would probably kind of think the same thing, feel the same way. And it's, it's kind of, you know, no matter how insignificant you may feel, there's all these other people who are, who are connected to you in that exact same way to, to all of us. So, you know, kind of, you know, we're, we're just waiting for the, for the shows, waiting for it to be safe again, for us to kind of be around all these, these people again, that I know that I've kind of taken, taken for granted, just kind of like all these people who are like, Oh, you know, these are all people who get me to some degree. And that commonality, um, you, you don't get this deep into this band without really kind of, thinking about these songs at that level and using the music to really sort some shit out for yourself. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a shorthand that we have with each other and like, Oh, you've been through this too. You know, it's uh, whether you know each other or not, it's probably a fraternity of people. However many I, we're with my buddies, we were just talking about how many, uh, how many of us are there, you know, how many Pearl Jam super fans are there of us at this point? 50,000, you know, probably minimum, right? 100,000. It's a lot of people. And that's, that's very, very cool. We're all, uh, we're all in it together, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on, Curtis. Good talking with you. Good, good getting deep and in there. Yeah. We, we got after it well, that felt, that felt like a therapy session. Yeah. That's, uh, me, you know, you know, now, now you'll get my bill in the mail. That's, uh, <laughs> I'll go, uh, I'll go as high as 200 an hour, but not anymore. The Better Band Podcast is produced by listenupreno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use.
You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I am on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Curtis and as always, this is Brandon saying... Hello, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such Fox Network specials as Alien Nose Job and five fabulous weeks of the Chevy Chase Show.